My name is Faras al I am a fitness coach and business owner in Abbotsford, British Columbia. Healthpreneur is a podcast that combines my two passions, health and business. Are you someone that is actively seeking to improve your overall quality of life through knowledge? Then you've come to the right spot. In each bi-weekly episode, I'll interview someone in the health or business space and dive into their expertise and experiences. My goal is for you to have a takeaway from each episode that you can implement in your life tomorrow. If you like our podcast, please subscribe, share, or do whatever else the algorithms like these days and connect with me on Instagram at opexabbotsford or via email at faras at opexabbotsford.com. Thanks so much for listening. Super excited to have David Sen from the Oracle Property Group here today. Uh, excited to get into some of his background and find a little bit more about David. Thanks so much for us. Pleasure to be here and uh, looking forward to this chat. All right, David, let's dive into it a little bit from the beginning. I want to find out how you got into real estate. You're a real estate agent now, uh, a young one at that, but you've been in the game for a long time. So I just want to find out a little bit more about how you got into the industry. Yeah, definitely, man. I, uh, I'm currently 32 now. I actually started real estate when I was 20 years old, which, is a, which was a daunting task. Uh, so funny enough, actually, my uh, older brother, he actually recommended, you know, at that time when I was about 18, 19, I wasn't doing much. I was in between part-time jobs and uh, he recommended that I look into becoming a real estate agent. Uh, he just figured it'd be a good personality fit. And, um, you know, I looked at it. I, um, as I mentioned, I wasn't doing much at the time. And, you know, I've always been in sales in some way, shape or form. So I signed up for the course and here we are. <laughs> so you just thought that you had a little bit of an inclination towards sales and real estate. You were super early on in your career to begin with. It's not like you were having any other established career at that point. Uh, what was it about real estate that drew you towards it? I think the passion for real estate came from obviously not only being able to help people buy and sell homes and you know achieve their goals, but also like the main thing, and I think probably the driving force for any real estate agent is to be able to be your own boss. Right. So as a realtor, you know, you're self-employed, you're able to be your own boss. And I think, you know, just the thought of that, you know, even at the age of 20 was always appealing to me. Right. I could have went to work for, you know, any the retail store or, you know, any restaurant, you know, whatever it may be. I'd have to work my way up to be at a certain point. But, you know, becoming a realtor at a young age, I knew that pretty much what I put in, I would get back, whether that be immediately or in the future. So it's almost you hunt, you kill, and you get to eat whatever you kill, right? So I think that probably has something to do with your background in terms of your family and business. You mentioned restaurants. Can you tell us a little bit more about your history with restaurants with your family? Yeah, definitely. For for those of you who don't know me, so I actually have a restaurant background, right? So growing up as a kid, uh, my family, we had family restaurants. We had a family restaurant in Aldergrove and then also Mission, um, all the world, we were there for about 10 years and mission for about 15 years. Um, Chinese food restaurant, family restaurant. And uh, yeah, growing up, we had a great childhood. You know, uh, obviously, you know, having immigrant parents from China, they came here with, you know, nothing, right? So, you know, starting up their own business and, you know, me and my two brothers helping out at the restaurant from a very young age. I started working at my restaurant when I was eight years old, actually, funny enough. Um, so, you know, I've been helping my family out for a long time. And, you know, I think, you know, being in the restaurant world, I picked up so many skills that helped me in my real estate career. But on top of that, just being able to work with family and be able to support each other and, you know, all those things just made our family become, become so much closer. And, you know, as the years went on and as we got older, 
you know, the restaurant obviously turned more into, you know, from a smaller business to a bigger business. And then um, it got to the point where, you know, uh, I was, you know, doing real estate part time at about year six or so. And then after that, when I decided to go full time, you know, things have really taken off in my real estate career in the past seven, eight years. Okay, so when you did the real estate thing, you were part-time for the first six years while helping with the family business, right? Yeah. I want to find out more about what skill sets translated from the restaurant business to the real estate business. Yeah, that's a great question, Fraz. Honestly, it's a lot of people don't know this, but like the real estate business is about relationships, right? Everybody thinks it's about sales. You got to be able to sell this, got to be able to sell that. But that is true. You are selling a product in the house. But you have to be able to retain the client and get these clients. And the only way to do that is build relationships with people and keep those relationships strong. So, you know, grow, like, being at the restaurant since I was eight years old, you know, I was able to uh, develop personal relationships with people and not only just people in general, all different types of people. Right. Don't forget that. So there'd be, you know, young families there'd be, you know, middle aged families there'd be seniors. We, we would talk to them and get to know them on a personal level. And I think being able to do that and connect with people, all different types of people, has only helped me in my real estate career. So yeah, you mentioned relationship. That's that's huge for the real estate game, I'm sure. Just because how do you differentiate yourself, right? And you've been able to do that so well, uh, even prior to the Oracle Group. But now it's like now you've kind of taken off with that. Um, and I want to say on a personal level, like the way I got to know uh, David was through playing sports and the relationships he's able to build with everybody is unbelievable. And it's like really natural, organic. If you were to tell the listeners on some level, how can you build those relationships? Is it completely natural? Are there certain strategic pieces in play there? What do you feel is like the best way to build these types of relationships for our listeners? Yeah, for me, honestly, when I meet people, I never have an agenda. I just like to get to know people on a genuine level, right? And I think people can people can see that back and people can respect that. And, you know, when, when you're nice to people, people are always going to be nice to you back, right? So I personally think for myself, when I meet new people, obviously try to connect with them on any note, whether it's their hobbies or maybe we like the same sports or, you know, we like to do the same types of things. And from there, we just try to build a friendship, right? And uh, as you know, you know, as a realtor in any sort of you know situation you can meet someone and they can become your client right it can be someone from work it can be someone in the grocery store right so I, I think that obviously just you know being nice to people and obviously respecting people and I think they're them being able to give that back to you it's gonna it's gonna definitely help in so many ways in life not just business yeah I think the big thing that you said there was that you don't have an agenda going in because there's a lot of times that they call it I mean there's there's friends and there's deal friends, right? So a lot of times people, are, you feel like they're just trying to be your friend because there's an outcome at the end. But for you, you're coming with no agenda. You generally, you're generally trying to find out more about them. And then from there, you know, then they might become your client at some point. And you're, and you're totally okay with them not being your client, but at the same time, you're generally interested in them. And that's how the relationship starts. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I think too many people nowadays, especially real estate agents, they're always thinking about, you know, how am I going to get the next deal? Like, what's in it for me kind of thing. And you know, that kind of mindset, honestly, I want to say it's backwards, right? For me, I live my life day to day by, you know, doing the things I want to do and doing the right things. And I think that itself, it's, you know, there's obviously always karma involved, right? And I think what, what you put out there, you get back. And I think, uh, you know, being a good person in general is like I said, not only good for business, but it's good for your own personal well-being. Yeah, you can go to sleep at night without having to think about what you've been doing, right? So um, I want to backtrack a little bit. You said you were doing the 
real estate thing for the part-time on a part-time basis for the first call it six years of your career. What was the inflection point where you said, okay, it's time to go all in on this and make it a full-time thing. And then what year was this at approximately? Yeah, man, it was hard, man. Cause you know, running a family business, you know, I was really intertwined with my family. Like my parents were the cooks, you know, I run the, me and my wife ran, me and my wife and my little brother, we ran the front end staff. We had the restaurant admission from 2005 till about 2019, so 14 years. Uh, Chinese food restaurant, but actually we grew it up to be pretty big. You know, admission, a lot of people knew it admission. We were probably one of the top, you know, top, uh, not, not only top rated, but top selling restaurants. And we had a, you know, a small mom and pop Chinese food chain restaurant, right, kind of thing. As opposed to, you know, Browns or Cactus Club or whatever, right. We we used to have people like the mayor come in and be like, hey, you guys are killing it. Like, keep doing what you're doing and... You know, obviously the food was one thing, you know, having our parents cook amazing food was great, but us taking care of the front end staff and just making it, you know, enjoyable experience come and dine at the restaurant was, you know, a very prideful for us and a important thing. But what happened was, you know, six years into my career, you know, I was doing real estate part-time and, you know, I was 20 when I started, right? So 2026, you know, I didn't have any expenses growing up. Like at that time, I wasn't doing too much, you know, I was still living at home. So I was able to kind of work part-time at the restaurant and, you know, have a guaranteed income. And then as you guys know, real estate is uh, commission-based, right? So it's a scary thing to jump into it full-time, especially if you have to, you know, support a family and, you know, you know, if you have a mortgage at the time, so many different factors, right? But I was probably about 26 years old when I decided, hey, you know, now is the time to go full-time. And funny enough is actually, you know, conversations I had with my wife, you know, my wife, she was a you know big supporter, a big advocate for me. And, you know, she just said, hey, you know, the restaurant's doing fine. Like I'm going to handle the restaurant. Like you take care of your business. Right. So she was a driving force. One of my really good friends, um, best friends, probably, you know, we were sitting one day at a hot tub and I remember the chat we had and he said, man, like, you know, you got it in you to kill this business. Right. So, you know, I decided to take that leap of faith and just, you know, pretty much not let the restaurant go, but, you know, let other people handle it. And essentially from there, you know, I started to focus all my time on real estate. So instead of being available, you know, 4 p.m. to 10 p.m., it was all day, right? And, you know, it took the necessary steps to build my business, you know, the right way. Um, and, you know, every day I got better and better. And, you know, it just naturally progressed to a point where, you know, the sales just wouldn't stop coming in. And then obviously, you know, now I'm at the point where any new realtor coming in, I would always tell them from the get-go, if you can, try to do this full-time. Right, right off the bat. If that's what you want to do, if you want to be a successful real estate agent, no one's going to be able to do this part-time. It's facts. Yeah, you guys are 24-7 taking calls, doing open houses. I mean, the the incoming, you know, clients and all that, they don't they don't care about, you know, a regular nine to five schedule, weekends off. Like that's where you guys do a lot of your work, right? So you do have to definitely have to be all in on it, right? Um, I think for someone like you who had a little bit of a background with a more traditional call it business like a brick and mortar like those skills translated so well to know like you got to serve your customer and that's kind of where you go all in on something right where you're able to service them properly um okay so this is six years in what year is this approximately david so this would be probably about like 2016 2017 i would say so even at that time like being a realtor for 12 years i've seen probably three different types of like up and down markets so 2016 was a really hot market. And at that time, you know, I had clients saying, Hey, like, can you take me a few places in the morning or whatever? And I wouldn't be available. Right. So I wouldn't necessarily lose those clients, but I wouldn't be providing them with the best service possible. 
right? So at that time when the market was hot, you know, it kind of just helped make my decision easier to jump into this full time. Okay, so the economic outlook of the market kind of drove you towards going full time and the demand of your clients and, you know, okay, so all the signs were like, okay, you got to do this full time. So you go full time on your own. What does that first year or two look like for you? Um, It was good. It was good. Honestly, it was different because like I said, I didn't have the other thing to worry about, but it just pretty much I had to kind of start from scratch at a certain point as for my day to day routine. Obviously, in the first six years, I built up a lot of things in my business that kind of helped me. But again, I was starting from scratch at that point, right? So really, and anybody that really knows me, like my first probably seven years of my business, I really did a lot of prospecting, right? And I think nowadays, you know, a lot of new realtors are afraid of it, right? You know, door knocking, cold calling, the traditional ways that I would have to put myself in front of people to get business that people don't want to do now. You know, I don't want to say people are lazy, but people want to take the easy way out. And uh, for any realtor getting into the business, you know, I'm sure you know, it's, it's very hard to get clients. That's probably the hardest thing to do in our business. But if you're able to prospect and not be afraid to hear no or not be afraid to get the door slammed on your face, you're going to succeed in this business because it's all a numbers game, right? For every hundred houses you knock on the door, there's going to be one that you're going to build a relationship with and you're going to be able to sell their house or they have a friend that's going to buy or sell. They're going to refer you. It's all always a numbers game. I want you to go through a little bit more of how prospecting would look for a real estate agent. I know you mentioned knocking on doors and cold calling, but can you go through that in a little bit more detail for someone that's looking to get into the business? Yeah, definitely. So the first thing I would say is, you know, anybody new getting the business, always contact your sphere of influence, right? That's what we call it in the business. So your sphere of influence is it starts from your family to your close friends, to your extended friends, to people that you've known since you've been a kid. Right. So that's the first thing. Reach out to everybody. Let them know you're a real estate agent. See how you can help them. Right. Um, obviously, you know, build your skills, learn the product knowledge, all those things. And then as for the actual, you know, day to day prospecting, I would say the uh, the the old school ways, I guess you can call it, you know, door knocking. Right. So what that would look like is literally choose a neighborhood for myself. I used to like to do warm door knocks. What that means is you know, myself or someone on my team or like someone in my office has sold or listed a property in a specific neighborhood. I would, you know, ask that realtor, hey, do you mind if I door knock this neighborhood? So I would take their listing and literally knock all the doors, you know, 20, 30, 50 doors around that house and say, hey, we got a new listing in the area. You know, are you, you know, are you thinking about selling or do you know, have anybody that's interested in buying this house? And I would just approach them and just, you know, put myself out there. And even though I had nothing to do with that specific listing, I would just say, hey, you know, our office listed this property or our office sold this property. People would never ask, did you sell it or did you list it? People just would want to know more information about the property. And when you as a realtor, you're in front of these people, they're going to ask you questions about the market. Um, as long as you're approachable and, you know, easy to talk with, they're going to want to talk with you, you know, 90% of the times. As mentioned, you know, out of those 30 to 50 houses, you might only get five people that you have conversations with. You know, those people you'd add to the database and nurture those leads. Um, same thing with cold calling, right? Cold calling myself, I used to do a little bit more uh, cold, I would say. I would literally take a phone book, you know, every day, cold call one row of people, you know, introduce myself as a realtor in Abbotsford and, you know, see if I can help them, whether they're looking to buy or sell. Again, a lot of times you'd hear no's, but in every odd time you get the yes and, you know, you just build off the yeses, right? I love that. Build, build off the yeses. And it seems like it wasn't deterring you when you heard the no's. That's, that's pretty, I mean, at the beginning, maybe it was, but as you got more into it, it just, you were like, okay with hearing no. And you understood that that's the cost of it, right? 
Yeah, man. Like I don't, you know, obviously if someone were to show up at my door and I wasn't interested in the service, you know, saying no, there's nothing wrong with that. But you know, obviously as, as long as you're kind to people and you, you, you want to provide information for them, people are going to be kind back. Right. And they might not want to buy or sell with you today, but who knows, maybe five years, 10 years down the road, they're going to think of you and you know, they've seen you around and they might give you a call that much more likely because you've already approached them or whatever the case may be. Yeah, you're going to be top of mind for yeah, that, right? Exactly. Just talk to this guy. Okay, exactly. yeah. one thing you also mentioned there that I heard was essentially you're leading with value, right? Because you're telling them a little bit about the market. You're essentially saying that, you know what, I'm an authority figure when it comes to this market. And, you know, if someone's looking for someone to help them sell their home, they're going to think about the person that already has made contact with them, yeah. provided them value. Yeah. Okay, you're, so you're trucking along. You're starting to sell some homes on your own, obviously having some success when you're going full time. What was the time that you changed into the uh, Oracle property group? Like, how did that come about? Why did that come about? Because you were, by the sound of those things, you were doing really well on your own. So yeah, tell man. me a little bit about the Oracle property group and how that came about. Yeah, definitely. So my first six years, as I mentioned, you know, I was going along part time. I started to hit it full time. Uh, it took me about probably two to three years to really grow, grow the business. And when I'm talking grow, I'm talking about like doubling your yearly income. So it took me about two to three years and like every year, since I've been full time, I've been a, a medallion producing realtor, right? But so those of you who don't know, here in the Fraser Valley, we have four big cities, Surrey, Langley, Abbey, Mission. That's the Fraser Valley Real Estate Board. At that time, there was like 3,000 agents in 2016, 2017, something like that. You know, and from that point on, the last six years now, I've been a medallion realtor, which means top 10% of realtors. So if there's 3,600 realtors, we're talking about the top 360 realtors. You know, it's a pretty exclusive club and I'm sure everybody sees those yearly posts from their real estate agent friends. You know, I've got a medallion award. It's, it's as a realtor, it's a, definitely a big award and, you know, very prideful. Um, so, you know, that at that point on year to year, I'd hit the medallion and every year it would be like, you know, out of 360, I'd be like, you know, 250. And the next year I'd be like, maybe like 150. And it got to the point over the past three to five years where I was a top 1% real, realtor out of the 10%. So for example, I'd be, at the top, I'd be in the top 36 um, as you know, over the last couple of years, 2020, I was probably in the top nine realtors out of 3,600 people, right? So I was doing extremely well. I was doing my own business, building my business. Um, one of my good, good friends and who's actually my business partner to, to, to this day, Sunny Ahuja, uh, we actually started to do, share a lot of marketing costs together. So we, we share an assistant, we do a lot of marketing costs together. And as a realtor, it was just easier to do it with somebody and split it. Right. We have the same office. Uh, we obviously work really well together, same type of mindset. Started to share some mutual clients as well together. And then pretty much about a year and a half ago, two years, you know, we started talking about actually joining up together and forming a team. Uh, it got to the point in my business, you know, in 2019, 2020, you know, I was so busy and just so overworked, I would say, just because it's so demanding our job that, you know, it was it was tough for my family, right? Like I wasn't around as much and, you know, I had this amazing wife that I wasn't able to see all the time. And, you know, I wanted to put more back into that and just, I would say, find a better work-life balance. So myself and Sonny, we decided, hey, let's do this together and let's not make this, you know, David Sam Real Estate or Sonny Ahuja Real Estate. Let's make this a team that we can actually grow together, grow the brand and have actually other people grow with us. So we decided on the name Oracle Property Group. Um, you know, we love the sound of it, you know, the meaning of it. And uh, from there, we did kind of like initial soft launch for about six months. We came up with initial branding. And then pretty much in the past year, we've really started to blow up the branding. And honestly, I feel like we're still so early in this team that we have. But we're getting to the point where nowadays, you know, a lot of people do know who we are. And uh, it's really starting to show in the business as well. 
we are starting to get a lot of business just from having a team. Yeah, and if you've driven around Abbotsford, you've seen the signs everywhere. Like you guys are being very deliberate with that branding, and it's it's obviously going to pay dividends. And the thing with branding is, and you know this, it takes time, and yeah. sometimes it's hard to put an exact dollar figure on like, like this is the exact return I'm getting. But obviously, like there's some sort of brand being built, and you're seeing the the results from that, right? Yeah, definitely. Like the thing is with the bus stops and benches and any sort of advertising, people don't understand. Like you're not necessarily always going to get direct leads or deals from this kind of stuff, but it's just more recognition and just confirmation for people, right? So obviously, on the general, anyways, we were doing a lot of sales, but now that we're actually starting to put more money behind marketing and just starting to do more marketing and you know have intent behind it, I think people are putting two and two together and say, hey, these guys are doing really well, right? And how many people are on your team now and what are their roles? Uh, so yeah, so I have, there's currently myself and my partner. So obviously there's two agents there. We also have three team members under us as well. Um, so myself, Sunny Ahuja, um, Jim McCarr, Gajok Kuner, and Mary Seabach. So uh, the three, three agents that we have on our team under us, they actually all specialize in something. Uh, so we have, you know, different things like pre-sales covered, agricultural. We do definitely want to step into luxury real estate. Um, just we want to expand more than just doing residential real estate. I would say our team, we probably do about, you know, 80% of residential real estate and resale. Um, but again, we're trying to expand it to commercial. So just having a team, we're able to pretty much have a further reach, I would say, being able to do more stuff with more people. Um, but on a good note as well, we're actually expanding our team, which I haven't oh, even told you oh, yet. Wow. Man. So we actually have a few agents that are going to be joining our team to make it eight. Ooh. Yeah, man. So we got some great agents from the Langley, Surrey area coming to join Oracle Property Group. Um, so definitely, you know, we're going to take over the valley, um, including, um, you know, trying to get as far west as possible as well. Yeah, that's tremendous news. It's always nice to see teams expanding and doing it the right way. And you've been able to build it from, from the ground up. You were on your own to begin with. And now you're going to have a much bigger team and obviously much more help to expand your business. One thing we didn't touch on was a personal, I would say, crisis that you faced in the midst of all of this. So I believe this was about two years ago now, right? Where you were having your health scare. Can you tell a little bit about that? Yeah, definitely, definitely. It's funny because, you know, um, anybody that knows me knows I'm very open and I like to talk about things. I'm never shy to share my stories or whatever the case may be, but... For us, it actually knows firsthand, it, it's kind of crazy because, you know, getting back to what I was last saying in 2019, 2020, my business was so hectic, so busy. Like I was making great money, but it was just, like I said, I was overworked and, you know, it was just, it was a lot of stress, right? So any real estate agent can relate with that. It's a very stressful type of business. So in the year of 2020, the actual year of COVID, pretty much at the end of that year in fall, I actually got diagnosed with an autoimmune disorder. Uh, it was called uh, GBS, uh, Gillian Gray syndrome. Uh, if you guys haven't heard of it, super, super rare. Um, one in a hundred thousand people get this or ever even have this come across. And, um, yeah, essentially what happened is my, uh, my immune system attacked my nerves. Uh, so pretty much over a period of, you know, I would say about two to three months, I actually lost the ability to walk. Uh, doesn't sound real, but honestly it was, it was, um, you know, slowly I started to lose the ability, started to lose the sensation in my feet to my legs, all the way up to my waist. Uh, my hands were affected. Uh, luckily, you know, my diaphragm or my face wasn't affected. 
but pretty much this GBS um, autoimmune disorder, pretty much my body shut down. So even though my mind was still good, my body was not reacting. So if I wanted to, you know, lift my leg or, you know, bend my knee, I wasn't able to do it. Uh, so for a period of two months, you know, trying to get diagnosed and trying to figure out what was wrong with me, you know, there was lots of internal scares, you know, we thought I might have like a brain tumor or something along the lines of that. You know, a lot of private tests were run, MRIs, x-rays, all those things. Little do we know that it was an, uh, pretty much a um, neurological thing. So GBS, it affected me in that sense. And I was pretty much, I was wheelchair bound for about six months. I got the treatment, which is a, called IVIG. It's a blood transfusion, essentially. And after that treatment, it took me about probably six months to relearn how to walk. So I had to relearn how to walk, relearn how to stand up, um, and even relearning how to walk. Like I'm talking literally from step to step from, you know, having a walker, being in a wheelchair to having a walker to having a cane, being able to walk slowly and then walk regularly, jog, and then get back to running. Uh, so pretty much that whole process of my life was from 2020 till the end of 2021. Two years of my life that was affected by my health, you know, I don't want to say crisis, but my health scare. Um, and then when that happened, you know, it really put things in perspective in my life and it kind of just re-solidified why, you know, creating my own team and, you know, going the team route was the right way to do life and run my business. And on top of that, as crazy as it sounds, those two years, 2020 and 2021 were my busiest years in, in real estate. Yeah. yeah, that's, that's so crazy. Uh, and so like David mentioned, I saw... David firsthand not being able to walk. So I went to, uh, to visit him at his home and I was thankful that he allowed me to do that. Um, it was tough to see, man. And you got to think about this is somebody in their late 20s at that point, super athletic, very good athlete, played a million sports, top of the game when it comes to the business side of things. New young family with a six-month-old at that point ish. Three-month-old daughter. Three-month-old yeah, daughter at that point. Yeah. So this is Kaya, right? Kaya, yeah. So his three-month-old is there with his young wife, and and then all of a sudden you can't walk like that. Trying to run a business now. Try to run a business and learn how to walk, and he had his best years ever. Like that's very inspirational to hear, David. And I'm so happy that you're on the other side of things. But having said that, it's always nice to have these types of moments in your back pocket after overcoming them in the midst of them it sucks right it sucks but now you're always going to go back and if you ever have a hard day or a deal that doesn't get done you have a couple things one is perspective right and then you also know that you have the confidence to overcome a lot so that's a big piece of it man mm. uh, so i'm not sure if you've ever really thought about it and being grateful for something like that but it sounds like you've had a lot of mindset shifts since then yeah, man. So grateful. You know, I think just try to enjoy the little moments in life, especially, you know, back in the day when I used to go on vacation, I would bring my laptop, you know, get the Wi-Fi, everything. And nowadays when I go away, I'm like, man, I'm not bringing my computer. I'm not doing nothing, you know, and I'm going to let my team handle it. And I think, you know, just that, you know, having a balance in life and just knowing that, hey, yeah, you may be young, you know, at that time I was 28 years old. I thought I was going to live forever. Like when that happened, I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to walk again let alone, you know, pick up my daughter, take her to school, like, you know, walk her down the aisle when that time comes and like, you know, take her to prom, like so many things you think about. And then you really realize what's important in life. You know, obviously now that I'm better, you know, 
it's, it's in the back of my mind, but I'll never forget that. And it has taught me so many memories, uh, so many different things in life. And I think, um, just being able to utilize that is going to be, and that honestly has made me a better person. What happened to me as sad as it is to say, but you know, it happens. It's life. So there've been studies done uh, in terms of happiness for, for people and people that have overcome say an illness like that or a significant loss, they end up ranking higher on the happiness scale. And it makes sense from what you're telling us, right? Because it gives you a lot of perspective and things to be thankful for. And you don't sweat the little stuff, right? So it's exactly what, what you're saying. Yeah, man. Honestly, I feel, I feel like it's a second lease on life, right? You know, when I was going through that, you know, I, I wasn't able to walk. And, you know, as for as I mentioned, you know, from being able to, you know, run, you know, and jump and all those things to not being able to walk is a huge, huge 180, right? So, you know, mentally it was, it was hard, right? It was hard for sure. But, you know, now being on the other side, you know, as long as you have persistence and you have belief in yourself, things are going to work out. What is the physical health look like for you now, Dave, like, are you completely free of this thing? Is it, is it something that comes back? Like, what does that look like? Yeah. The thing with GBS, the autoimmune disorder. So anybody with anything autoimmune essentially right now at this point, since I've got the treatment, it's kind of dormant. It's kind of, it's, it's, you know, subdued essentially. Uh, I'm honestly at this point now, two years later, probably I would say a hundred percent. It took me, you know, year, year and a half to kind of even get back to 80%, I would say. But slowly still working on myself, you know, working on my physical self. And uh, yeah, no, back to 100% now. But um, yeah, you always do think, hey, will this happen again to me? But, you know, can't live, can't live your life scared. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Yeah. Let's switch gears a little bit. I want to know a little bit more about this crazy market. Okay, so what's happening with the real estate market here in, in Abbotsford of the Valley? What insights can you give our listeners about it, uh, if someone's thinking about selling their home or buying uh, a home, what, uh, what does the market look like right now? Yeah, great question, man. It's, uh, it's so funny because we you know people ask us this every day and I can honestly tell you, you know, being in business 12 years, these last three years since COVID has been so crazy. And when I say that, I mean, you know, during COVID, when that happened for about a two year span, you know, March, 2020, even let's just say summer, 2020 till early 2022, the market was booming. If you live here in the Fraser Valley of Lower Mainland, your house probably increased. If you have a detached home, anywhere from two hundred to four hundred, five hundred thousand. Uh, since March twenty twenty two, rates started to go up, interest rates and prices started to come back down. So if your house went up two hundred to four hundred, five hundred, at that point it probably came down about anywhere from, you know, a hundred to three hundred. So a lot of people are still up on COVID on their home value since then, probably up about still ten to fifteen percent, give or take. But since March 2022, interest rates started to go up. End of 2022 was quite slow. The last quarter, quarter and a half, I would say. Um, since this year, New Year's turned around January. January, February was quite busy in the market here in the lower mainland. Um, there was a recent rate hike in June, I would say, last month, give or take. And that's kind of started to slow things down again. Uh, we started to see multiple offers again earlier on this year. Still kind of happening today. Um, really depends on you know what type of product people are looking at to really kind of tell you how the market is going. Um, on a general scale, on an overall scale, I would say any strata property under you know seven hundred thousand is quite hot because that is what affo is affordable nowadays for people. Um, a lot of the detached homes, you know, I would say between a million to one point two, one point three is still pretty healthy for buyers. It's a definitely a more balanced slash seller's market, possibly, I would say. 
anything more in the higher end scale for pricing, you know, one, four million plus is definitely on the slower side, less buyers for that right now. A lot of the developmental properties, and you're talking like lots, subdividable properties, land assemblies, those kind of things, that has considerably cooled off and slowed down just because a lot of the investors and builders, they're on the sidelines right now, just because there's so much uncertainty to do with interest rates. Um, as you know, as I mentioned, interest rates went up again, again last month. They might go up again this month, the month of July. We just really don't know what the future holds. Um, you know, we haven't seen rates this high. We're currently at about anywhere from four and a half to 6%, depending where you go. We haven't seen rates this high in, you know, 10 plus years. And it's funny because I talk to people and especially older people like my parents and people that are in their sixties and seventies. And they always say like, yeah, back in my day, you know, rates used to be 18 or 19 and 20%. But then I asked them, you know, how much was the house? They're like hundred K. We're talking different numbers nowadays. You know what I mean? Like we're talking on regular, you know, house is a million dollars, right? If you're only putting down 10%, you know, hundred thousand, nine hundred thousand dollars mortgage on a 6% mortgage rate is crazy. You know, it's so hard to sustain. So, you know, what I would say overall in general right now, things are very balanced. Things are definitely still moving. Uh, there are multiple offers on, you know, certain di different types of properties and obviously certain pockets of different cities. Um, definitely a seller's market in a lot of different areas. But, you know, for buyers, honestly, it's, it's funny because I don't think it's a bad time to buy at all. Um, right now, with interest rates as high as they are. Yeah, the interest rates higher, but people got to remember the price is lower right now. So, you know, I'm sure you guys have heard, you know, you um, date the rate, but you marry the price, right? Interest rates are always going to change every couple of years, three to five years, but house prices, that's going to stay with you forever. Yeah. And it seems like people make such irrational decisions when it comes to the interest rates. If it goes up 0.5 or down 0.5, it's like makes their entire decision completely different, which it shouldn't be the case. You should just be, I mean, this is kind of speaking from my own personal vantage points. I think you should be buying when you're ready and selling when you're ready, depending on your lifestyle and what you're looking to get out of it, right? Not not based on the interest rates. You don't want to be making decisions based on that, right? Because that's fleeting. That's fleeting. Yeah. David, I want to thank you so much for, for coming on the podcast. I hope to do this again. The last question I always ask is the book question. What's the last book you read? <laughs> or someone maybe in your family has read? And what's a takeaway from that book? Yeah, man, I'm... Uh... It's funny because I'm not a big reader, to be honest. I'm not a big, uh, I just, yeah, it's not my cup of tea, but my wife reads a lot. You know, she reads me, she reads all the self-help development books and anything to do with bettering yourself as human. And, you know, I take so many, you know, thoughts and notes from those things. Uh, the most recent books I've probably read is like, I've read uh, Ryan Serhant, so like Serhant, he's a realtor. It's a real estate book, obviously. Um, recently read, um, even uh, I'm big into sports, as Faraz mentioned, a Kevin Garnett book, you know, anything is possible. And I think a good takeaway from that book, let's just say the Kevin Garnett book, um, even getting back to the title, anything is possible. I just think, you know, everybody has things in life that they have to overcome and to push through, right? And I think we make the most of our lives ourselves, right? So if you're, you know, if you're, let's just say a negative person, those kind of things in life, it's only going to affect you, right? So for myself, I live day to day, you know, being on the positive side, just trying to take the best from every day, right? And trying to be happy and thankful to be here and on earth every day. Um, but definitely, I think, you know, cherishing every day, day to day life, do what you want to do and follow your dreams, right? Anything's possible. And I think uh, 
whatever you set your mind to, set those goals and uh, work on getting getting there. Well, David, you are evidence of exactly what you just talked about, pushing through and that anything is possible. Uh, again, really appreciate you coming on and hope to do this again. And uh, thank you for, for joining us. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on the podcast. Excited to see how it looks after. And uh, Braz, I know you got your uh, gym at OPEX. For all those listeners out here, definitely hit this guy up. He's running a very successful business there. And uh, proud to call you my friend and brother. And uh, appreciate your time. Appreciate it, David. Thank you. Thank you.